Welcome back to the Carnivore Yogi Podcast. Today's episode is a little bit different because it's actually an interview I did for someone else's podcast, but it was so vulnerable and I really talked about so many things that I just wanted to share it with my audience as well. So I'm going to encourage you to make sure that you follow Kate and listen to her podcast. She's got a fantastic platform, a fantastic message. She was actually on the podcast just a few weeks ago. You probably remember her as the ex-vegetarian turned butcher turned farmer and just a really dynamic, fantastic person. But she asked me to be on her podcast. And of course I agreed because I think Kate is a fantastic, wonderful person. And I did not expect to, I guess, just be so open and honest on this podcast. I have never put myself out there like this in the way that I did on this podcast. So it's absolutely terrifying to me. I'm just going to be honest with you guys to put this sort of information out on a public platform. But I did feel that the time was right. I prayed about it. I meditated over it. And I just felt like, you know what, it's time for me to just have this conversation with my audience to really tell them the truth about everything. So yes, it is a little bit of a longer episode. I did not want to cut it up and I am at risk, hopefully not. Um, But possibly if I put this on YouTube, I I worry a little bit that I could lose that YouTube platform. Um, So I'm going to encourage you to share this widely here over on the audio only format, especially if you have a friend or a family member who is struggling with any sort of fertility. Again, this is a very vulnerable, vulnerable topic for me to be talking about. Now, one quick little thing that I did want to mention along with this episode is the fact that I am going to be running a course with my friend Carrie Bennett, who is known as Carrie B Wellness over on Instagram. And this is going to be a six week fertility course. It is actually the course that I wish I had when I was going through all of the struggles and all of the trouble that I went through, as you're going to hear about intimately in this episode on my fertility journey. When doctors told me that a lot of the things that I needed to do involved taking medication or taking supplements, and I did those things, spent a lot of money, and they did not work for me. And so I've partnered with Carrie who has a master's in nutrition, clinical nutrition, and she's also a quantum health practitioner. She helped me tremendously along the way in my own fertility journey. So we are going to be launching this course on August the 15th. All the information for the course as far as how to sign up, how to access the course is going to be linked down in the show notes. And all of my other courses are also going to be linked down in the show notes. Now, after you listen to this episode, I think that (laughs) the reason why I've created all of these courses is probably going to make a lot more sense to you because of all the struggles that I went through. So, all right, that is enough talking from me, but I hope that you will enjoy this episode. Again, please share it widely, especially with your friends, with your family members who have experienced these types of pain points that I'm going to talk about here in this episode. And I do very much appreciate you for listening. Have a fantastic rest of your day. Well, Sarah, it is just so great to have you here. And I know we were just talking. I'm, I'm so grateful for having been on your podcast. And I, I really got to connect with you. And 
made me really curious about a lot of your practices and I just want to I just want to dig right in one of the things as I've been kind of going through all of your abundance of materials is I'm just really struck by I love people that have been on an evolution of their health journey where they've explored a lot of things and done this sort of in of one experimentation and not been afraid to keep evolving as it were. And so as I sort of listened to you and your journey from a more standard diet and into vegetarianism and veganism, and then into carnivore, and then into this whole circadian and circannual seasonal and ancestral eating, I was just really struck by that evolution process. And I was curious if you could just share a little bit about how you got to where you are today through that evolution. Yeah, I mean, I talk about it with my husband all the time of our daughter is just the one I feel like was sent here to basically like shift everything for both of us, like as people, Mm -hmm. as I mean, fundamentally shake the core of who we are and then cause us to both like seek out different things that are different from the mainstream and to start to question the mainstream. And so my story, I feel like really starts of, having her as my child and you know everything going well up until her you know about 13 months she received a flu vaccine and going to the emergency room that night and being told you know because she was throwing up and screaming and they were like you know take her to the ER something's wrong and so and and being told like oh she's had a reaction to this this flu shot but she'll be fine. And she never was. And she had like disappeared, lost all of her speech, eye contact, everything was gone. And that was like just a moment where I feel like the rug got pulled out from under us. And we were just like, wait a second, because everyone's like, these, this is safe. This is fine. You know, there's, and then the further I dug into it, I was like, I found that there were all of these lawsuits, you know, I found that there were all of these parents who had children that were injured, but it's not something that you talk about because people, it's a very polarizing subject and people are very quick to dismiss you, call you a witch, call you a liar, say that's not it, that wasn't it. But when you actually go to a hospital and you are told by medical professionals that that is exactly what has happened is a reaction. And then from that reaction, she loses the ability to speak and have eye contact. You can't go back to thinking the same way that you thought before that. And so, you know, it was like that happened. And like I said, it kind of pulled the rug out from both of us. And we were yeah. just like, all I the- can't even imagine. Yeah, it was it was horrifying. And, you know, we're st- we still deal with that 14 years later. You know, we still have a child that will live with us forever, more than likely. I don't ever see her really being independent, as brilliant and as wonderful and as amazing as she is. And she's like literally the light of my life and everything, my everything for real. Um, It is, she is like the pivot of my life. Like I, I, she's the center of my life too still and will be. Yeah. And I've, I've seen her, I've seen her beautiful Instagram posts and, and the beautiful words that she writes and just, this light and I've heard the way that you talk about her and just her beautiful sensitivity to the world. Yeah. Oh gosh. I mean, the way she sees the world is just 
beautiful and amazing. And, you know, I, I value so much of the perspective that she gives from herself, you know, because now she, she still doesn't speak, but she spells to communicate. And the things that she says are just profound and beautiful and amazing. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I never looked at the world that way. And so I'm always going back to a place of gratitude. I went through a lot of years of anger and sadness and bitterness and, that didn't really do much for anyone. You know, it's like a poison that you continue to drink, hoping that someone else will die and it's just killing you. And so I've had to really do a lot of work to move past that myself. Um, you know, but now I try to look at her from the lens of gratitude and I don't compare our lives to other people's lives because it's not, it's not, it's not anyone else's life, you know? Um, and I don't think I've really ever talked about this on a podcast before because it is one of those polarizing topics, especially in the climate that we're in now. Um, one of those taboo topics you don't talk about and yeah, but I know I'm at a point. Which is a shame. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a shame that we, that we can't share our stories in an honest way that's truthful to ourself. That's maybe helpful to others. Exactly. And that is just honest and just our experience as as humans as women and certainly as a mother definitely yeah and it's there's so many families that are affected the same way that mine are that I've met over the over the last 14 years I've met so many families that are profoundly affected the way that we are and it's it's a tough journey but you know that's what sent me down the path of okay well I have to be able to do something with nutrition to help her like what can I do to help her that was my first thing of like, I have this, you know, little baby that I have, I have to help her, you know, she wasn't like this before. So how could I make, you know, how can I reverse this? That was like my quest and my journey for years. And we, you know, traveled all over the U S seeing different doctors spending, you know, we're still in our starter home. We are moving out this month, next month, we're moving out to, to a bigger house finally, but we've been in our starter home for 14 years because we have put all of our money towards how can we help Alexis, you know, how can we support her? Um, so that's where my evolution with nutrition came to. And I first was, you know, when you do the research, you are really led to believe that a plant-based diet is going to be the healthiest thing for you, for your child. Um, Alexis was never big into the plants though. And so luckily I discovered for her the specific carbohydrate diet and I made her and she has the most beautiful jaw. Like her teeth are beautiful. She's never had braces because I started giving her grass fed beef burgers. And that's like all, that's the only thing she would eat. Like a lot of kids with autism, they become very like picky about what they're going to eat. Yes, And so she was really just eating like a lot of grass fed beef. Um, I would put garlic in it. I would try to put some things in it to like give her a little more variety, but that's really like the only things that she wanted to eat for several years. And so, which (laughs) if you're going to be picky, I mean, you're talking about a lot of nutrient density in that space, even, you know, in a, in a, in a pretty mono diet that, yep could be a lot worse. Exactly. So at the time I was frustrated because I was transitioning to a plant-based diet and I was trying to get my husband to transition and I was putting everything in the blender and making the smoothies and I was trying every little way to trick her into plant-based, but she was just like, no. And I was like, well, she has to have something to eat. So I would go, you know, source out the best grass fed beef that I could find 
and make these burgers for her. <laughs> That's what she ate. And uh, it did actually help quite a bit. I mean, I took her off of um, gluten and I did take her off of conventional dairy. I did take her off of, you know, everything that I could research and find that could cause any sort of behavior issue, anything with her brain that was not supportive. Yeah. Um, so she was the catalyst for that. But me, myself, I was still kind of in this mentality that plant-based was best, that eventually. And then the whole thing with her, emotionally, what I did to help myself cope was I found yoga and was obsessed with yoga, I was going to class like, you know, as often as I could, seven days a week. Had to quit my job because taking care of her was so intensive. We were trying to do as many therapies as possible um, to just find something that could help her, you know, just unlock her. We were trying everything. And so me working a full-time outside sales job was no longer viable. And so I was home with her full-time. I was going crazy because I've never been the stay-at-home mom type, you know. It's just not been something that I ever aspired to do. (laughs) Um, And, you know, I'm okay with that. But, yeah, I I was kind of just losing my mind. And so yoga helped me, and I dove deeply into yoga, decided to become certified, become a teacher. That led me into veganism. And that was kind of the beginning of the end for me with with my own health because (laughs) (laughs) I resonate with that (laughs) at first it was like cool I'm losing all this weight like I've all you know I've always kind of struggled with my weight my whole life and then it was like okay I'm vegan now and I can't keep weight on this is awesome and at first you know for the first six months or so that was really cool but then after the first six months it started to not be so cool I started having dental problems as a yoga teacher you know, I struggle with chronic injuries all the time. My, I couldn't build muscle and it was just a disaster. And so, you know, it was finally one of my yoga teachers took me aside and was like, look, I see what you're trying to do here. Um, I know that ahimsa is something that is important to you. It's one of the yoga precepts, moral precepts really of yoga. He's like, but let me break ahimsa down a little bit <clears throat> more to you. That ahimsa really means non-harming to yourself first and if you are not giving yourself the proper nutrition which it looks to me as though you need animal foods to give yourself the proper nutrition and sustenance but if you're not giving those things to yourself then that is actually violence towards yourself and there is a way that you can eat these animal foods you can work with a local farmer you can do this in a sustainable way so that it is more health promoting for you and cause less harm And he, I was so glad, I was like relieved because I had been just struggling as a vegan, like, okay, I'm I'm trying to do the right thing. I'm trying to soak everything. I have a purse full of supplements that I'm taking 30 times a day and like chasing down nutrients, but my joints are killing me. I can't keep weight on. I'm, my teeth are a mess. I've never had cavities, but now I'm getting all these cavities and something's not right. And I knew that. And so when he said that to me, I felt this great sense of like relief, (laughs) like, okay, (laughs) you know, I don't have to keep up this facade if I want to be like a legitimate yoga teacher, which I really was wanting to do that and wanting to help people with yoga at the time. Um, and so that was help, very helpful for me. And I did. That's incredible. Yeah. That's I, what a beautiful thing to say too, that that's nonviolence towards yourself. yourself. Right. And, and, 
and I see, I see in that story that you were already practicing that, that you came to yoga to find some balance in your life and then to, you want to keep that balance going. And so what a gift to have, to have someone say that. What, what beautiful words. Yeah, it was great. I mean, it helped tremendously. Um, you know, so I did start eating some meat and I did start feeling better immediately. The issues with my teeth, the injuries, all that stuff really went away. Um, the problem is that I was still following a lot of the mainstream, you know, like God love him. Dr. Hyman says, you know, eat a plate full of plants and meat as a condiment, Mm -hmm. you know? And so that's followed Dr. Hyman for a long time. I was a huge fan. Um, (laughs) but then you kind of see like the holes in the story there. Um, when you try to apply that to your own health. And so, I, you know, it was years that I was trying to still implement a ton of plants into my diet. Um, eventually, probably four years or so later, all of the kind of joint pain and, you know, I, I started, I developed IBS. I was, my husband was very seriously worried about me because I would look six months pregnant after eating. Um, I had to sleep on the couch a lot of nights um, because the gas was so terrible that I would get from eating all these plants that I thought were healthy. You know, I saw several GI doctors and they were just basically like, you know, try activated charcoal and eating more fiber and there's not really much we can do for you. And, you know, I was... And of course you're eating a ton of fiber. Yeah, I was eating like mostly fiber, you know. Yeah. And I I have that same thing. I have pictures of myself and I look six months pregnant. And I'm eating this healthy, this super Salad, healthy, yep. mostly plant-based diet, and it just wasn't working. Right, exactly. And so, you know, I, I was at this point where I was also in my late 30s, and I was just like, okay, is this just part of aging? Like, what the heck is this? And I connected with my friend. Her name's Dr. Rimka. She lives down the street from me, actually, and so I've known her for many years, and I no, she's a function. I knew she's a functional medicine practitioner. And I was like, you know, what do I need to do? Can I get a bunch of labs done? She looked at some of my labs. She was like, your labs are not that bad. Um, this is what I'm going to recommend for you instead of bringing you into my clinic as a patient and making you run a bunch of labs and spending a ton of money. I'm just going to recommend you try the carnivore diet. I've been doing it for five months. I feel great. I've been recommending it to a lot of patients and it has cleared up a lot of stuff that people want to go and spend a ton of money getting evaluated. And I was like, you are insane. (laughs) Just eating meat? Like what? Um, And so that was my initial reaction was like, she's crazy. And then I kind of sat on it for a little bit and started doing a little bit of my own research, found Dr. Baker, found Michaela Peterson, found Jordan Peterson, found, you know, found all that stuff and was like, well, what do I have, what do I have to lose at this point? Because I am miserable. I can't even practice yoga anymore the way that I want to, because my joints are a mess. Everything hurts. It's very sensitive. So literally what do I have to lose at this point? And, um, so I just dove in, just did it beginning of 2019 and literally within two weeks, my stomach was flat gas was gone, joint pain gone. Like everything that I was just having all these complaints about was just gone. And I was like, wait a minute, (laughs) like this is 
completely insane. Um, so I started my Instagram page as a complete joke. Like the name Carnivore Yogi was a joke because I'm like this yoga teacher running around town everywhere teaching classes, you know, but I'm only eating meat. And I thought like how ironic and weird is that? Um, because all my yoga friends are vegan, vegetarian, and not to mention all the anxiety, depression, and health issues that they're all having, you know, let's not even get into that. But yeah, now I'm feeling like a million bucks because I'm just eating meat. And yeah, so I started this page as a joke and then it kind of just turned into to people following me and they were like clearly it resonated and I think you know I spent uh, when we lived in a city I did yoga six days a week I was a yoga teacher and I owned a butcher shop and was sort of alone in that world as a meat eater and finding that it really was helpful for my practice for my body for my resiliency for my mental health and for all of those things but I think it's a gift in many ways that you get to straddle both worlds and, and that it doesn't have to be, yoga doesn't have to be this one thing right. or being carnivore doesn't have to be this one thing, that you can be fluid and dynamic within both of those spaces. And I think that resonates with people. I think people want that option. I agree. I think they really do of like, let's look at the, an alternative perspective here. And so, yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. And so I think it's clear just from how much your your channel has grown and how many people look to you that there's a lot of resonance in being both a meat eater and, you know, having your yoga and eating your meat, too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but that's the basic yeah, gist and- of kind of how I got <laughs> into everything that I've been doing. Yeah, and one of one of my curiosities and one of the things I I love that you've been exploring lately is this sort of expansion beyond the carnivore diet and into a more ancestral living and quantum health space where you've you've made another another jump yeah. into a different lifestyle and I'd love to hear a little bit more about that space from carnivore to this quantum health space. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, at the end of 2020, we kind of decided, you know, we had always wanted a second child and we were, but it's just been one of those things that it's like, Alexis is, takes up everything. You know, she, she really does require a ton of our energy, require a ton of our attention. And so we just, kept putting it off and putting it off and we're like well maybe we'll do it maybe we won't and then we got to the end of 2020 2020 I think for a lot of people was a year where they did a lot of reevaluating and that was I know yeah, I did I mean we, that was true for us we reevaluated everything of just like how necessary is this let's cut this out let's you know and the the topic of another child was just something that both of us were like okay let's just start you know and I thought that all the nutrition and everything that I was doing would allow pregnancy to be an easy thing for me. Um, It ended up not being that way. It ended up being a very (laughs) painful process for me with a lot of bumps along the road. Um, And when just the nutrition piece wasn't working for me and I was consulting doctors and I was consulting different 
professionals, I found uh, Dr. Jack Cruz. He actually came on my show. Uh, I listened to that episode. It's a it's a great episode. It's one of my favorite episodes because w- just talking with Dr. Cruz, and it's funny, you can see that episode. I'm in this dark office. The window is not open now. Like anytime I'm recording, the window is open got special software on my computer like I it's that conversation was pivotal for me um just meeting him and then understanding how much of my health was tied to my light environment and that was something all these doctors I was paying all this money professionals never even mentioned to me how my hormones were actually influenced by light and so that caused me to just open up a big jump down a big rabbit hole of understanding circadian biology understanding quantum physics and diving deeply into those topics and implementing them into my own life um i've connected with some truly amazing people that i'm really good friends with now and done a few certification courses at this point now which is you know kind of what i teach more now but you know, understanding food on this circannual rhythm that we are meant to be more carnivore in the wintertime when there's scarcity, when there's not, you know, those foods are not available. You can be carnivore year round if you want to. And I would recommend it if you do have a, a chronic health issue that you're dealing with. I think it could be tremendous for you. But during summertime, we do have produce. We do have things that are locally grown that contain the light code of where you live and and food is information right food is light and so food is yeah yes I I love that because I think food is the ultimate it's a conversation that we're having with ourselves with our biology about where we are in place and time and I think that what you just said and I I haven't heard it put quite that way that there's a light code in this food yeah and can you unpack that a little bit more? Well, I mean, if you just think about it in, in plain terms, you know, we're meant to live with the sun, right? We're meant to wake up and our hormone production starts with the sun, with the sunrise. We turn off melatonin and gradual rise of cortisol and then the UVA light starts and we hit, you know, get the hormones that synthesize melatonin for that night. We get uh, serotonin, tryptophan, dopamine, tyrosine. We get all these amazing hormones and pregnenolone our master sex hormone all that is produced from a signal from the light our food is grown in that same light and our food is receiving that light code right so if we're eating something out of a box or a can or something flown in from mexico then same thing as like looking at your phone in the middle of the night you know you're telling your phone you're telling your body it's noon if you're if you're in the middle of like december and you're eating uh pineapple you're telling your body it's the middle of summer and so and that you're in mexico you're in mexico in the middle of the summer right and you're actually freezing cold in december and it's dark outside and cloudy but your body is getting a different signal right so i mean it's it all really ties in when you think about it it's all very common sense but it's not a conversation that's being had the conversation is keto carnivore vegan plant-based this Mm -hmm. that and it's all like so myopic in my opinion at this point because i agree we're missing the point we're missing the point that this 
food is giving our body information. And if we're constantly confusing our body and telling our body, hey, it's noon when it's actually midnight. Hey, it's uh, June and you're in Mexico when you're actually, you know, in Canada and it's December, then you're going to have dysfunction, right? You're, you are yes. going to have dysfunction in your body and this will eventually create disease. And there's definitely something to be said for not eating processed foods and not eating a bunch of junk food and sticking to, you know, more keto carnivore diet. Absolutely very helpful, a good place for people to start. I but agree. I think we have to look deeper than that if we really want long-term sustainable health and not just a diet, you know, not just a quick fix, not just a diet. I think we need to look deeper and that's kind of, you know, where I've gotten to in my own health journey and getting pregnant was me exposing my body to cold when it was cold outside. Um, understanding red light, using red light therapy, um, being into like getting up for sunrise every single day, using blue blockers at night, uh, protecting my body from, from non-native EMF, all these things, you know, that were confusing the hell out of my body and causing hormonal disruption and I'm wondering why I'm having such a hard time with pregnancy. And yes, I'm in my 40s. So it is a lot harder for women in their 40s. But as I dove into this world, this completely heartbreaking world of fertility and conception, what I learned was that it wasn't just women in their 40s. It was women in their 30s and women in their 20s that are yes. unable to conceive. I think, and it's worse and worse. I think statistically statistically we're looking at one in three women has troubles conceiving at this point in time yeah. and those numbers are rising every year and we're also seeing a precipitous decline in fertility in men yes. as well with sperm counts declining at one percent every year since i think 1960 yeah. and I, this is this is a problem these are bodies communicating on a collective level that we are in a state of dis-ease yes right? That we are, we are not at ease. And I think that what's so beautiful at your, about your journey is that there's this nugget in there that our bodies are most at ease when they're in harmony with their environment, mm -hmm. when they're getting those signals that I am in this season, in this place, in this latitude, and I am home, and they don't have those mixed messages from everything from junk light to a pineapple in December. Right. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a whole, and like I said, it goes beyond diet. It's literally your lifestyle as a whole. And all of these things are creating a, an incredible amount of dysfunction in our society as a whole. And I think that people are looking at diet and then they stop there. And, yeah, you know, with my own health journey, I came to this point where I was like, I'm going to have to, number one, go beyond diet. And at the same time, I had clients coming to me out of the woodwork, people coming to me out of the woodwork that were doing carnivore or were doing keto and they were still struggling with extra weight, depression, anxiety, sleeplessness, all of these things. And I was like, there's got to be a better way or something else I can tell them besides try this supplement or try that supplement or cut your calories more, exercise more, because I'm just sounding like every freaking other health influencer out there and no one's being served from it. No one's being helped from it. Yeah. So 
you know, I have this kind of health crisis I'm going through myself, but I also have all these people that are following me that have been with me, you know, on the carnivore journey for all these years and they're, they're struggling. And so, you know, that was just huge motivation. Number one, cause I wanted to get pregnant, but two, I also really wanted to help all of these people as well to understand why the dysfunction, why the perfect dot quote unquote perfect diet yet still having all the health problems. Right. And so that's been, you know, pivotal for me and my journey is just like, okay, <laughs> let's look beyond. And that's why I've created a ton of, um, webinars and I have a 21 day course now that's all about resetting your hunger signals because I find a lot of people that do keto carnivore also fall into, uh, unhealthy eating patterns around fasting and not understanding the circadian nature of eating. And so that has to come into play also when we look at our overall health and hormonal balance. I love this. And I think it's so important. I've really just begun this journey since last summer to sort of incorporate my environment in a different way, that it's not just diet and to not look at diet or supplements as a panacea of something that is going to fix anxiety or depression or these outliers after eating a really specific and clean diet that has helped, but only to a point. And, and As we get into the summer, this is my second summer where I've really had a different relationship with the sun. I've been working on my my light hygiene for years, but this relationship that I have with the sun, and so I kind of want to dive in to some of these shifts that you made in your life that allowed for this quantum baby to come through. And (laughs) I thought since we're right here, we're almost in July and we're at the heat of things, starting with that relationship with light. Yeah. I mean, the first thing that I had to finally get my head around was the fact that I needed to be outside for sunrise, you know, and it is harder during the summer. I live in Atlanta, so it's not as hard as some of my more Northern friends that have the sunrise around 5 AM. Um, <laughs> that's yeah. Four forty-five. Oh, yeah. That's <laughs> when I, I was out there this that's morning. Amazing. That's so good. Um, so yeah, I don't have it as hard as somebody way up north, but I've always been, you know, I've always been someone that kind of liked to sleep in and go to bed a little bit later. So I had to, that was a big shift for me of just like, okay, this is the one thing I'm going to do today is be outside for sunrise. And I didn't overcomplicate it. Like I've been over the last like few weeks, I've been kind of hiking out to an area where I can see the sun coming up over the horizon. But when I started this practice, I never saw the sun come over the horizon, probably even once. I never did. I was just outside as the sun was coming up. And that was enough. We're in a valley. We're in a valley. I don't see the sun come over the horizon, but I think it's enough to be to be out there, to be present. Yeah, And you get the ambient light of the, you know, like the lights turning on. And that's the, that's all your body needs. That's the signal that your body needs. And so number one, I started doing that. And then I started noting that I needed to start eating as well in the morning after years of, you know, being kind of brainwashed into believing that it was healthier for me to stop, you know, to not eat until one o'clock or two o'clock, you know, try to delay your eating window Mm -hmm. as long as possible, I had to make that shift of 
eating within 30 minutes to an hour of sunrise. And then I started making the shift of if I can do it outside, I'll do it outside, right? Or if I can open a window and just kind of, you know, like my friend Carrie, I know you had her on Carrie Bennett. Um, her, the name of her podcast is the 2% Better Podcast. And so that was for me how my lifestyle changed. It wasn't like I woke up one day and started wearing blue blockers and started doing everything outside and started – it wasn't that way for me. It was like, okay, I'm going to start with sunrise. And then, okay, I've got that, and now I'm going to start eating earlier in the day, cutting my eating window off earlier in the day. You know, and – it just became this evolution and then understanding like when I was going through all the fertility testing, they did test my vitamin D and it was a 33. And so I, and I knew that was probably not good. And Dr. Cruz was like, that's definitely not good. You know, he's like, yeah, Dr. Cruz's benchmark, I think is is his 60. Yeah. He's like 60 is a minimum. And I was like, Oh, well I'm way below your minimum, you know? And so it became kind of like a little game for me of how can I, um, safely get sun exposure because I, I, you know, have been a pretty fair-skinned person my whole life who's had been very prone to sunburn. And so, you know, not using sunscreen and just building up the solar callus and using the D-Minder app, learning how to do that. Um, yeah, I think these – I actually – I really want to unpack this because I was thinking about – we talk a lot about it on this podcast. I really think that there's a break in, in our dietary history when Ansel Keys oh, yeah. comes out with the Seven Countries study and we see this vilification of saturated fat. And I think that there's a really similar story to be told Absolutely. about the sun. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, we've been told that, that there's... it's evil, it's bad, it's going to ruin your eyes. Um, you need to wear sunscreen even indoors, you know, even though these sunscreens have yes. chem- like chemicals yes. in them that cause cancer. <laughs> Those, this is your protection yes. from cancer is something that's going to cause cancer. Rub and, it all over your body. And you're putting it on your largest right. organ, your right. skin, and it's getting absorbed into your bloodstream. Right. And what is that interaction between then putting chemicals on your skin and then heating it with UV right. light and getting hot and sweaty and it's just instantly going in. And so I think that there's, there's a bad story here so. about... Yeah. Absolutely. And so, yeah, I mean, I had to wrap my, and I was scared. I had to wrap my brain around all that. But for me, I'm somebody who I just love learning. And so when I'm, when I'm interested in a topic, if I'm not interested, forget it. Like I couldn't finish college because I hated math so much. I was like, I hate this. I'm not doing it. I'm going to go into sales. And that's, (laughs) I still kick myself that I didn't finish um, because I should have, but I had a bunch of other stuff going on at the time. Um, and so I just was like, I'm going to, I'm going to go make money and have a career. I don't need this. Um, but when I'm interested in something, I will study the hell out of it. And so for me to implement a lot of this stuff in my life also meant that I'm going to seek out courses. I'm going to seek out different people. I'm going to bring them on my podcast. Um, and that was the cool thing about having the platform that I did have is that, it did allow me to access people because of the size of the amount of followers I had that I could show, you know, be like, Hey, these are the amount of followers I have. Can you come talk in my pot? And it still is cool that I can access people that I never would have had access to had I not had this platform, you know? So that's been 
You've had some you've had some incredible guests on from Jack Cruz to I just listened to your interview with Ian Mitchell. Oh my gosh, love. yeah, he's I love him. He he and I have become friends. Like yeah, he's something he, else. His mom and uh, my daughter are like pen pals right now, which is really cool. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's he's such a that. cool guy. Um, but yeah, I've been able to um, access some really cool people, and so just using that to my advantage to continue to say, oh, well, I can implement this, and so. It was just little changes. And then, you know, the October of last year, which I haven't talked about this super publicly yet. Um, I think before we turn on the, the, the recording, we kind of spoke about this. There's a lot about my fertility journey that I'm not putting online at this point because it's like throwing, <laughs> throwing it to a crowd and then letting them just have their own say about it yes on a podcast i feel a little more comfortable talking about these things because there's a conversation happening and there's not a freaking comment section (laughs) where i'm getting yeah unsolicited advice and you should have done this and you should have done that it's like you don't know the whole story but you know october of last year was a really pivotal point for me because we had we did decide to try ivf after experiencing um you know loss trying to do it the natural way the doctor convinced us that um and it was a wrong thing to convince us to do because the pathology from the loss actually showed the babies that i had lost were normal Um, they didn't have genetic abnormalities but what they'll tell you if you have experienced a loss is like we can do you can do ivf and then we will test the embryos to make sure they're genetically normal and then that's going to give you the chance of a healthy baby a healthy pregnancy right just sign here and spend forty five thousand dollars um and at the time i was so distraught over having lost pregnancies that i was just like i'll do it i'll do it i i want this i want to do anything i know i want the baby i've been through all this pain and sadness and like they're giving me a sure sure thing a sure ticket you know that this is gonna work and we went through two grueling rounds of ivf ivf is not a process i would ever wish on my worst enemy because you're injecting yourself nightly with uh medications you know giving yourself shots every night my stomach was like covered in bruises by the end of it you have to go to the doctor and get an ultrasound and blood work every other day, which sucks because you're driving, you know, across town. And then it's like medical trauma to constantly have someone examining you, giving you these invasive ultrasounds. Poking you, and prodding you. At the ultrasound, like, am I, how many follicles am I growing? Are there, you know, is it good news or is it bad news? And then you're waiting around every day till three o'clock for them to call you and tell you, okay, well, we're going to have you do like another week of the medication or ready for surgery. And then again, when you're done with the stimming process, you have to go through surgery um, for them to take the eggs out. Then you have to go through a waiting process to see, are these going to be good embryos? You know, and so we went through that process twice and it was just emotionally exhausting, physically exhausting, not to mention all the drugs and things that are going in my body. And yeah, it's, Those hormones. Oh it's crazy. And so the first round, um, we had made two embryos, but they had so many genetic abnormalities that they would not let me transfer them, which I was devastated about. But I was like, well, we still have one more round that we paid for, so it's fine. The second round, 
the embryos all died on day six. There were like five of them and they just like, and she was like, well, we don't know why that happened, but it just happens if there's abnormalities. So, you know, you can just, let's reevaluate and you can do some more IVF because you, she's like for women, your age, usually it's going to take four to five rounds. And I was like, Oh, you gotta be kidding me. <laughs> like, like that's so sorry. I don't know if I can cuss on your podcast. That is but. no. You can cuss. You can cuss, and I think that's I think that's the right response. Yeah. I mean, that is just astronomical in terms of financial investment, in terms of biological right. investment, emotional right. investment, everything that and and oh by the way, I have this like heartbreaking, public, you know, profile that I'm talking about health. Meanwhile, having my own health crisis and grief and trying to process all of this and being like, my diet's been perfect. I've been following the rules. I've been doing the carnivore and it, and, and I'm going through all this shit and like, you know, and I, I don't want to talk about it with anybody. I'm still trying to process it. You know, what the hell do I do? And so at that point, after that second round didn't work, it was, it was October I was devastated, like completely devastated. I, I didn't think anybody was home and I like was just in my room, like screaming at the top of my lungs and my husband was home. He came in and he was just Good. like, I've never in all the years I've known you, we've been together since we were 25. So we've been together like almost 18 years, you know, he's like in the 18 years we've been together, I've never seen you this upset. We don't have to keep trying for the baby like we don't have to keep doing this we don't have to it's okay I love you and we love Alexis and that's enough like that can just that's our family you know it's okay and I just I was just like distraught you know like what do I do now and so and angry I I, I mean I can't imagine I can't imagine the amount of rage (laughs) I just at so many different things and uh, I mean I I commend you for letting it out I always that's always better out than in (laughs) you have to the the neighbors might be like what the hell should we call the police Mm -hmm. but um (laughs) yeah so that you know that was that was crazy and I you know at the time I was paying um, doctors I was working with that had me on a ton of supplements, you know, probably spending on top of all the IVF, I was also spending between 500 to a thousand dollars a month on all these supplements. Okay. And consultation calls like, Hey, if you want to talk to me for 15 minutes, it's $600, you know? So I'm just like puking out money, like just open up a vein and just like, let's pour it out. Yeah. And, and so I took a step back and actually, um, called my friend Corey Gasvini. I don't know if you've met Dr. Gasvini before. Um, I haven't, but I've heard, I've heard him speak on several podcasts. And so I called Corey and I was like, I don't know what to do, Corey. And he's just like, look, he, I mean, and he's, he's so, he was so kind and he's just like, look, you and I both know the stuff that you have been doing. He's like, I've been watching you because I met him probably September when I was already undergoing a lot of this stuff and I was telling him what was going on. I had him on my podcast and he was like, I wasn't going to say anything to you. I want you to do what you got to do, but I wanted to tell you, I wanted to stop you from doing all the stuff you've been doing and working with this doctor who's making you spend all this money on supplements. And I wanted to tell you not to do it, but that's not my place. But now that you're here, you know, 
I just want to, I don't want you to feel bad that this stuff didn't work because it's not your fault. You know, it's just that you were not Mm. doing the right things to fix your mitochondria. And that's what we need to do is fix your mitochondria. And so that helped a lot to hear that. And he was the one who was like, I need you, you know, I need you getting cold. I need you cold plunging. It's October. It's getting cold. You need to be cold plunging. You need to be sleeping. You need to quit fasting all the time. You need to... Um, you know, and then I started looking into the red light panel, the red light panels. Um, there's been a ton of research around red light therapy and fertility. There was a study that was done that showed, you know, this large cohort of women, um, that had undergone failed IVF that did red light therapy on their abdomen. And they had, I can't remember what the success rate was. I want to say it was like a 60%. Yeah. There's a study. Sick. Yeah, I'll find it and I'll link that in the show notes. But I, I mean, 60, 60%, anything yeah. even remotely close to that, that, that is a massive Why is no shift. doctor telling me about that? And the oldest woman was 50, right? <laughs> that got pregnant after the red light therapy. And so I started doing that. I did deuterium depleted water. I did cold therapy and I just went hard on the circadian stuff. Anytime I could be out in a forest off the grid walking, I was. I mean, I literally was in the woods. I didn't care how cold it was. I was in the woods as much as I could be. I was barefoot as much as I could be, plunging. I mean, doing all this stuff. And I and I had to change my mindset as well because when you've gone through so much loss, you start to look at other people that are making pregnancy announcements and you get jealous or you get, well, that's, you know, you get mad. And I had to start being happy for those people. And I had to start you know, wishing them well and being happy for them and also believing that I could still have this baby and that it still was a possibility for me because I had kind of just been like, I don't think it's going to happen for me, but I had to really make that shift in my morning meditation, the evening meditation of envisioning him because I knew it was going to be a boy. Um, which, by the way, all the babies we had lost were girls when they tested them. The embryos we made were girls. And and I had had a vision of a little boy back in 2016 that had come to me and was like, I'm healthy, you can bring me here, and was like telling me this back in 2016. Oh. And, I, and I wasn't even considering having another kid at the time, but I could never get that out of my mind. It was a little boy. And so through all the loss and everything, I'm like, well, it was a girl. Oh. Yeah. And then when I did find out that this one was a boy, it kind of was like, oh my gosh, then this is like a legitimate real, you know, this is a real thing. This little, that was the the little boy that came to me. Yeah. This this is is the baby baby that came to me all those years ago. And I've been envisioning him this whole time. And so, you know, I did all that stuff and I was very like, you know, had to change my mindset, had to change everything, the way that I thought. And, uh, yeah. Our yeah. thoughts, because our thoughts shape our biology. There's a there's a two way highway that's happening there as much as between us and our environment. Yeah. That our thoughts are are shaping what's happening inside of ourselves at a Absolutely. cellular level. And so that was like, I think that was like the final thing that had to happen for me was the mindset of just believing it was possible, envisioning him, envisioning myself pregnant, and and all of that had to happen for this to all take place. And so. You know, in January, I was like, well, if if we can't, if this doesn't happen naturally, then we'll just go back and do some more IVF. Like, that's the point where I was at. But lo and behold, 
<laughs> a positive pregnancy test to the end of January. And I was just like, oh my gosh, you know, in f- yeah. four months, I mean, four months of, of yep. nature walks and red light therapy and yep. seeing sunrise and deuterium yep. depleted water and uh, this mindset yep. shift. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. That's and incredible. so it was like, and, and it has been a little bit terrifying. You know, you're always terrified after you experience pregnancy after loss. I'd never really understood that until I was there. So I was absolutely terrified for the first, you know, um, definitely the first eight weeks. I remember going for that first ultrasound to see if they could find a heartbeat because I had already been through two other ultrasounds where there was no heartbeat. And that was just freaking devastating. And, you know... Yeah. I was just, I had a feeling though, like that it was a real one because I was just feeling so terrible. <laughs> I was like, I never felt this bad with the other two. <laughs> so there's got to be something going on. And I remember seeing the little tiny, I mean, it's crazy how it's like this little tiny baby, even though, you know, you're eight, nine weeks along, it's there. It's like got arms and legs and moving around and you're like, oh my gosh, it's real. And then you hear the heartbeat and, uh, yeah, so um, I'm due October the 7th, and everything has been, you know, great. He's, like, kicking me right now as I'm talking. <laughs> but everything has been, um, you know, good with the pregnancy. It's been it's been really good. Anatomy scan. I've done all the genetic testing, <laughs> too much testing. But, you know, yeah. they kind of make you do a lot of things when you're over 40, Um, but everything's come back with flying colors and, um, so yeah, I, I feel, um, pretty good about everything and yeah, that's the, (laughs) that's the pregnancy story. I love that. I think that's such a beautiful story and I think that it's a really, I hope that it's a really hopeful story for women that are trying to conceive that there are all of these healing modalities out there that are low cost, uh, many of them free and that they are accessible that you can go and you can put your body back into its Mm -hmm. environment, become a part of nature again. And that, that can really no heal some sort of connection in that fertility journey and and so i just think that's great i wonder if we might unpack just a couple of the things that you sure. did throughout yeah, that absolutely. space um i want to circle back actually to the the vitamin oh, yeah. d first i want to start where we started and i'm curious if that if you're spending time in the sun building up that solar callus which i think you do by going out in the in yeah. the early sun in the early sunrise to get that uva and infrared light from the sun and did it shift your vitamin d levels by the end of the summer last year my vitamin d was over 100 and and my doctor was like that's not good but i kind of knew at that point that it was (laughs) because i know Cruz he keeps his level at like 139 and so I wasn't worried about it, but yeah, I was able to go from a 33 in May till the end of September, I was like over a hundred. Um, and I kept up, you know, there's some people that say you don't need to, to expose your body to UVB during the winter. I did end up buying a, a Asperity vitamin D lamp and I yeah. used it. We have a, we have a, yeah. we have one. I mean, too. I use it in conjunction with my red light and I tried to have a window open mm-hmm when I was using that so that my eyes would also get the signal of light because that's where hormone production for your skin starts is in your eyes. 
Um, and so I did, I didn't, I never tell people, oh, go get a Sparity lamp. I've heard people say that. And I'm like, that's kind of irresponsible to tell people to just do that without giving context. Um, you got to see sunrise, you got to see UVA, even if it's winter, right? And then you yes. probably want to use it in conjunction with a red light device. And if you can open it, Because right. the sun doesn't ever one have wavelength. just one, just wavelength right. of light. And then if you can yeah. open a window again to give your eyes that signal, I think it's a lot safer of a process. Again, there's still people that are like, eh, don't bother with it. Your liver can store vitamin D. But because I was working on getting pregnant, I wanted to keep my levels really at a good place. And so all I did was the yes. the Sparity lamp and the red light. And then when I tested my levels in March, it was a 60. So I felt like that's good. Yeah. It's good. It's gone a little down winter, a little yeah. bit, which I think is natural yeah. in the winter. Again, I, it's your liver mm-hmm. that stores vitamin yes. D. Is that correct? Um, and so that storage is going to go down. And I want to draw attention to one more thing. You're not wearing protective lens wear when you're using the Sparity. You are ta- because this is something that I've had to add yeah. recently is taking out contacts, taking yeah. off glasses in order to fully get the UV light into my suprachiasmatic yeah. nucleus and yeah. really sending yeah, the correct absolutely. signal. Yeah, that's, that's very important because, and I don't look at the lamp. Like I try, I don't look at it because that can really hurt your eyes, but I'm not, she, I'm not covering the eyes either. So that's another thing. Yeah. 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 Just like not right. looking at you the don't, sun. Still go outside without sunglasses. Right. That's the thing. Whenever the I sun. post about the Use sun, some, people are like, oh, but you're going to get all these cataracts. I'm like, I'm not looking directly at it, guys. Like I'm not telling you to do that either. That's probably a pretty poor idea. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Want to use our common sense. And then that red, I know that my husband and I built a red light therapy lamp and it it has been, it has been such a huge thing for my health and in winter here, something that feels like a really nice therapy to, to sit in, uh, when it gets really cold as well as experiencing cold, which brings me to this piece, because I think that this is so important. If your environment is cold, there are a lot of hormonal cascades that happen when we get out there and put our bodies in the cold or simulate that through a cold plunge. Exactly. I mean, it actually speeds up the electron transport chain. And so what that essentially does it imp- yeah, that's that. what it. That's one of the main yeah. benefits of cold therapy is it speeds up that electron transport chain, and so there's less ROS, like less reactive oxygen species, less inflammation, mm-hmm. speeds up your metabolism, and it just makes healthier mitochondria. And so one of the problems with uh, fertility is that there's poor mitochondrial health, and the largest, densest, you know, formation of, of mitochondria in the body for women is your ovaries you know, those eggs. And then for, for men, it's the brain. So women, your ovaries and then your brain. Right. Um, so that is why improving your mitochondrial function will improve your fertility, you know, will improve that egg quality. And that was our issue with pregnancy. My husband was fine. We tested him. It was my egg quality, which declines as you age. But now in women, even younger and younger, younger, it's declining. And there's hormonal dysfunction and all kinds of issues that cause women to not have good egg quality at a young age. Um, And so, yes, which I think is scary. It really is terrifying. Yeah. And so that's what the cold did for me. And I didn't just 
jump right into 32 degree water. You know, I, I started off my water at 60 degrees, you know, which it, it doesn't sound that cold, but it is cold if you're not used to it. Anything colder than your body temperature is, is cold therapy. That's what Corey told me. It's cold. And so yeah. I started off at 60 degrees and then I just slowly got that water colder, colder, colder. By January, it was down to 32 degrees. And so... And were you doing this in in a tub? In an ice, ice tub out on my deck, okay. you know, and I'm, I'm in Georgia, so it doesn't get freezing, freezing here. It does get to the 20s, 30s, and teens, you know, in the wintertime, especially at night. So, and I would plunge in the morning, like I would plunge in the morning when it was mm-hmm. still, you know, sun was still coming up. That was the best time for me to plunge. That's the, I think it's the best time for a lot of people to plunge because it does raise your body temperature to do that. And you want your mm-hmm. body temperature to go up. And then by the end of the day, you want your body temperature going down. And so if you... Yeah, that's a part right. of what signals yeah. sleep to come on. And so you don't want to disrupt that important exactly. cascade by doing a sort of later And some people can do the plunge. plunge at night and swear that it helps them sleep better and it, and it might. But for me, I tried doing it in the evening and I noticed my sleep was horribly disrupted. Um, so yeah, I mean, I would get up and see sunrise and I would eat a little breakfast. Sometimes people will say, do it fasted. But the other thing about fertility And hormonal balance is if you put too many stressors into one bucket, then you are going to create an issue. Like the first month I did the cold plunging, I did it every single day because I don't do anything halfway. And I'm like, I want, I want this baby. (laughs) I will do anything to get the baby. I got a cold plunge every day. I'll do it. Cool. And my cycle, it was five days late that first time and so that first month and so that's an indication if your cycle is late or early that you've created Mm -hmm. some kind of hormonal issue and so the next month and the month after that I went to three days a week and that ended up working (laughs) you know it was like a good amount for me it was three days a week um so that's another thing and then yeah like I said just not to stress right. your body out too much. Like you want to keep you you want to keep because that's that's part of your hormonal cascade is to keep some some evenness to not have too much cortisol exactly. within the system yep. to have just the exactly. right amount of cortisol or else it's going to steal exactly. pregnenolone. You're going to steal pregnenolone to make extra excess cortisol and then you're going to miss out on important things like progesterone yep. and yep exactly. Estrogen. So yeah. there's a there's a balance you know and it does it does increase your testosterone because that had always been an issue for me since my like mid thirties was I had super low testosterone. Like my level was like a five when I tested it when I was in my mid thirties. And I was like, well, you know, my doctor was like, well, I can give you testosterone cream. And I was like, Oh, I don't really think I want to do that. Um, but no one ever really told me how to increase my testosterone naturally. And the way you do that is red light therapy and cold therapy, red meat, and lifting weights, you know, those are, those are natural ways if you're under the age of 45 and you're a woman to increase your testosterone and my testosterone yep. levels. Yeah. For oh, men definitely. too, actually, all of those things are great for increasing Absolutely. testosterone in men as well as women. And I, I love that you're bringing this up because I think we don't often talk enough about oh, yeah. women's need for testosterone and what it's a vital vitally important, important hormone that is, you know, because, because of the DHEA. Yes. And they'll have women going through fertility treatments take DHEA. But as I've learned through this Mm -hmm. quantum journey, 
an exogenous hormone like like D, taking a vitamin D supplement, taking DHEA, yeah. um, taking melatonin, all of those are hormones. And when we take an exogenous hormone, the body doesn't necessarily know what to do with it and it can affect your body's ability to make it endogenously. Now, sometimes, yes, it can give you a little steroidal yes. boost. You might feel better. You might see your numbers on lab tests get better. But does it actually do what you need it to do? You know, you ideally want your body making melat making melatonin because that yes. is a mass. Yeah, making, making testosterone, testosterone, making melatonin, yes, making vitamin D. You want your body to do that on its own, and it is very possible. But we've become so disconnected from the fact that our bodies are capable of doing these things that we think we need to supplement all this crap. Yes, you know, and we don't. And I think, I think that's an extension in many ways of the allopathic western medical model that even when you get out of it you still believe that there's there's some sort of solution yep. in a pill right that there's this this sort of easy fix and what we really want to do is create the environment where our bodies can activate the resiliency that's inherent to them and to create these things yes. endogenously without exogenous 100%. substances yeah we're just like i said we're just too quick and that's the path i was on when i was hemorrhaging money was what supplement can I take and it's frustrating because I, when I'm on Instagram and I'm posting about a different topic you know like hydration for instance I've been put I was did a hydration webinar I wanted to get yeah to get and, into that. and everyone is like well what minerals do I take what water do I drink and I'm like yes but no like because why are you dehydrated you know like What's happening? How, what's yes. happening on a cellular level to your body that is causing you to have to chase these minerals? And yeah, there. This is you know, this is like spring water here with minerals in it, and I drink it out of a glass jar. And yep, yep. spring water, minerals, exactly. glass and, jar. And so th yes, important. But you gotta look deeper. And the first question out of your mouth shouldn't be what supplements do I take and what what can I buy. Like that's, that's how I want to shift no. people's thinking and, and figure out a way to do this without bewildering them too much. But I want to shift their thinking away from what can I buy? What supplements do I need to what, how can I support my body so that I'm not losing minerals all the time? How can I support my body so that I can make these hormones endogenously? What can, you know, like I want people to look at, at life through that lens a little bit more. Yeah. Yes. Yes. How can I find the answer in me instead exactly. of outside of me? And I think that there's this idea that someone has the, whether it's a, a guru or a pill or a doctor or whatever it is, everybody but my body and me right. have the answers. And I think it's when we reclaim that sense of autonomy and empowerment and we see our own resiliency that our body wants to be in yes. homeostasis our body wants to heal and that it, it can really just take small shifts many of them free and just environmental right. changes yep. that can do this um and I, I and and i think that your pregnancy is such a yep. great example of yeah doing that i'm curious too, if we might dive into hydration a little bit, because this is actually something, this is something that I've been thinking a lot about as I work with oh, animals yeah. on the farm. And I noticed 
everybody talks about yeah. drinking a gallon of, of water a day. And if your, if your yeah. pee is clear, that's how you know you're <laughs> hydrated. And I noticed, you know, here are these, these perfect creatures yes. that know exactly what they need. And f- I don't know if you've read Fred Provenza's mm-hmm. book, Nourishment, but he talks about the incredible intelligence of ruminants to be able to select the exact wow. minerals they need from a wide variety of plant sources. And they're connected to the earth, right? They're getting grounded. They don't have a lot of non-native right. EMF exposure. And I noticed that these animals, especially in the winter, actually, had the darkest wow. pee, right? That they That they weren't just drowning themselves yep. in water and I'd watch I'd watch the horses and the cows which have access to beautiful fresh running yes. spring water with this really yep. dark urine and and it kind of kind of shook something loose in me and I was like well this is this is interesting because their bodies yep. know and so what are we doing with our is is this really hydration that we're experiencing when we're aiming the at number, this, yeah. this clear urine goal or this right. one gallon we, we of water? We are overthinking it, you know. And my example I've been using a ton lately is my dog. Um, we finally, I finally pulled the trigger and was like, I'm putting her on a raw diet because she went to the vet earlier this year and her liver enzymes were elevated. And I was like, my dog's getting fatty liver from this stupid kibble. And this is not okay because I want my little boy to be able to experience the dog. She's eight years old. She's the sweetest thing in the world. I love my dog. And, you know, I want the little, I want my son to be able to play with the dog and have her around. And these dogs, you know, her breed is supposed to live 15 years and she's having liver issues at age eight. Like, this is not okay. So I've kind of put my foot down with my husband. I'm like, I am in charge of the food now. Like, we're switching her to raw. That's it. And so I did find, um, it's called BJ's raw pet food and they mix foods for you. It's like organ meats and, um, they put in wild seafood fats, like they have all kinds of different mixes. And so I just, I've been ordering it. It's a little pricey, but I also get uh, raw goat milk, raw goat kefir, bone broth, Um, so I've been ordering for her and keeping a lot of it in the freezer and feeding her. And the biggest thing that my husband, you know, noticed, he's like, Sarah, she's not drinking her water anymore. Why isn't she drinking her water? Is she okay? Is this diet making her sick? Yeah. He's like, is this diet making her sick? Like she's not drinking the, I keep on changing the water every morning. And then I notice it's full and I'm like, here's the thing. Does the dog wake up and say, I need eight glasses of water today? No. <laughs> She's, am I thirsty? <laughs> no. Am I thirsty? Yes. I'll drink the water. If I'm not thirsty, I won't drink the water. And so, you know, because she's been on this raw diet and she does get uh, mixed in with her food, bone broth and goat milk and, and goat kefir, she probably doesn't have a great need to go and chug water because he was used to her eating the kibble every day and just thirsty all the time. I mean, I would hear and I'd have to stop her from drinking because she'd puke it all up. She'd drink too fast and then she'd puke everywhere. And I was like, Oh, that is a, that is a bad thirst signal, right? That's a broken. She would just lap up the water. And so now she's not drinking it. And my husband's freaking out. He's like, it's the, this, this food's not good for her. And I'm like, dude, it's the opposite. (laughs) She's, she's hydrated. 
because she's getting fat, because she's getting the proper nutrients, and she's not overly thirsty because her liver's not working overtime. And so, like, that is my main example for people. You know, you shouldn't be chasing down water and chasing down minerals and chasing down hydration constantly if you are living the right lifestyle, right? So number one, you know, these devices that we have, the AirPods, the Apple Watches, the I used to wear an Aura Ring, you know, when your body is, and our cell phones, like keeping your cell phone on your body, it depletes the easy water, which is exclusions on water, the water inside of your body, 15 to 20%. So just by you holding a radioactive device up to your body, you're dehydrating yourself, right? And then we're not even talking about emotional, you know, if you look into Dr. Emoto's work, um, which I taught about in the, in the webinar, you're structuring the water network inside of your body through sound, you know, through bird song, through listening to Mm -hmm. rivers, lakes, streams, you know, your body is your, the water network inside of your body is tuning that. If you're, if you're around a bunch of negative people or listening to the news, listening to, you know, consuming content that's negative, dehydrating, destructuring the water inside of your body. Um, And then if you're missing out on sunlight, you know, UVA light and infrared light, red light, that actually can increase the easy water, the exclusions on water inside of your body fourfold just by exposing your skin and your body to those light waves, right? So light is important for hormonal balance and regulation, but it's also important for our cellular hydration because we are in an EMF soup a lot of the time. So if you're in that EMF soup and you're not getting sunlight on your body, you are setting yourself up for some serious issues with hydration, right? Yeah, you've, you've vastly decreased your right. cellular hydration. I mean, if it's 15 to 20% with the non-native EMFs right. that we're constantly surrounded by and then adding right. junk light and no outdoor exactly. sun exposure. Yeah. It's a recipe exactly. for so, disaster. You know, I tell people if you do have to be indoors, you better, like I'm sitting here, you know, in front of my computer, even though I have the window open and I have iris on my computer, I'm like, I still have, I do you too. know, my clean spring water and minerals that I'm drinking, um, sipping on that to kind of offset some of this. And then I'll be offsetting this with outdoor time, barefoot in the yard. You know, there's, you, you can't necessarily get away from the EMF, like, or non-native EMF because not, not all EMF is bad. Like the earth is EMF, my heart, your heart, the heart coherence, that's EMF. Like that's electromagnetic frequency. It's not bad. Um, but the non-native is what stresses out our body. And so, um, yeah, yeah. Exactly. the Wi-Fi's and the 5G and the, the exactly. wireless All communication the devices. devices. And so just understanding that on a basic level and then doing some mitigation. If you can stand in front of a red light panel, that's another way to rehydrate your body as well. Again, remember the easy water expands up to fourfold. So getting in front of a red light panel. I mean, there's thing, there's things that we can do to mitigate our modern lives. Um, and so when I teach hydration, I don't want it to be like a two to one ratio, sodium to potassium and add in this and take the magnesium and do that. Yeah, that can be really helpful. But if you're doing all this other stuff, 
then what's the freaking point? You know, you're just you're just going to be chasing yeah. after a bunch of stuff. And again, looking for stuff outside of you to, to complete your health. And, and that's not the, that's not what we need to be doing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree more. And I think that we have these beautiful yes. mirrors, right? We have our animals that are mirroring yeah. to us just how that relationship with water or how that relationship with minerals and food, how intuitive yep. that could be. And I think there's a lot of social programming that you have to kind yep. of break down the eight glasses yep. of water a day or a gallon of water a day or clear urine, whatever those goal marks are, and then really focus on, on what is dehydrating you at this exactly. cellular level. And I think that uh, some of your work here and I think the hydration webinar, which Thank we'll you. put a link into is, is such a great resource for people because I think that this really is one of those, one yeah. of those next steps that people can take to really shift, right. To really shift something exactly. at a cellular yeah, level. And that's what I want people. I just want to change yeah. the perspective a little bit. Like when you get to the nutrition space, that's a step in the right direction you're you're going and you're getting warmer you're getting warmer right but if that's where you stop you may end up frustrated you know <laughs> you you may end up yes. not quite reaching your goals and then spinning out and buying this program and this program and let me hire this coach and that coach when you don't really need all that stuff you just need to understand the innate intelligence of your body and how to tap into that mm-hmm. and and that's the secret to the the long-term sustainable health in my opinion. I love that. I could not agree more. And and being into nature, I want to begin to wrap up and I'm curious how you've carried these practices into yeah. your pregnancy, right? We talked so much about your preconception journey. And I before we get there, I do want to highlight I think that this is really an important yes, part that preconception huge, phase. Huge that if you can spend some space and my husband and I are talking about having kids eventually <laughs> I'm getting there <laughs> and and maybe maybe trying towards the end oh, of yeah. next year and so I'm beginning to think about what does that yeah. preconception phase look like how do I get yeah. more minerals in my body how do I find states of cellular hydration and ease before I go into a space where oh, baby takes yeah. a lot I mean when I resources. first went to one of my I think it was like my 16 week appointment I was like can you please draw my vitamin d because I was still it was still like April I think at the time I can't remember what when it was exactly I think it was April um maybe beginning in May and I was like, can you test my vitamin D? Because I'm kind of, I was just curious to see because the sun wasn't really bright enough for me to get a lot from it yet. And it had gone down to a 55 and I hadn't changed anything. And because when you're. And you had more vitamin right, D. I mean, it's later in the year. And you have outside. more vitamin D and exposure. So what that told me is like the baby, you better have your stores built up because the baby's going to take it because we're building a human. Like we, <laughs> we need vitamin D for bones and teeth and all, you know, this is important that he's taking it. And so that's why my level went down. It was five points. So it's not like, Oh my gosh, I'm in trouble. You know, I was like, all right, I'll use my lamp a little bit more and summer's around the corner. So I'll be able to lay outside and no big deal. Um, but yeah, when you are pregnant, you, you better kind of get your body ready because the baby's about to take it. 
(laughs) they are going to take it and you're going to be left like depleted and not feeling good if you haven't done the prep work. And you're going to end up with a child that's not as healthy if you haven't done the prep work, you know? And that's another thing I don't think people understand is that you need a certain amount of choline, you know, you need a certain amount of folate, you need vitamin D, you need minerals, all these things in order to to make a healthy baby. And so, yeah, I mean, I had started on the Quinton Minerals last June because I heard Robert Mm -hmm. Slovak talking about any woman who wants to conceive should start remineralizing their body six months before the pregnancy at least. And so I was taking those minerals like three times a day. I still take them in all my water to keep minerals in my body. But I spent a lot of time remineralizing my body because I was depleted, Um, you know, Mm. and getting all those nutrients, tons of egg yolks for the choline. Um, I don't eat a lot of liver, but I do take the, the, the desiccated. <laughs> I have some on my desk over here. So, yep. I mean, I keep, I, I do a lot of just, you know, getting a lot of nutrients in. But since I've been pregnant, you know, first trimester was rough. I was thinking, oh, I'm so healthy. It'll be easy. It was still really rough. Um, I did not feel good. I felt really tired. Um, I had to just let myself rest and I had to be okay with missing a few sunrises cause I did, you know, I was, I, so there were some mornings where I just, I just couldn't do Love it. it. I was just exhausted. The room was spinning and I'm like, this is going to pass. And it did it right around week 14. I woke up and I was like, oh, I feel better. And the nausea this time around between my daughter and this one was different because with my daughter, it was like 24 hours a day. With this one, I started getting breaks where I wouldn't get nauseous until like two in the afternoon, you know, and then it'd be there, you know, so I would get breaks in there. And then I would say it started improving overall around week 10. Um, With my daughter, it was just solid 24 hours a day up until, you know, the end of 13 weeks. It was horrible. With this pregnancy, I got some breaks in there. You know, it wasn't like 24 hours a day. So, and every pregnancy is different, but I am 43 now and I was 28 then. So, so a little different there. Um, age difference. Yeah. And, it's a big uh, difference. yeah. And I've been, you know, now that it's second trimester, I'll be uh, 26 weeks tomorrow. So I'm almost in third trimester, which is wild to me. Um, I've been doing, I get up every morning. My body just naturally wakes up before sunrise. And so I'm usually awake like 10 minutes before sunrise, throw my shoes on, walk. You know, usually start my day with a walk for sunrise, come back, eat breakfast, which is usually some kind of an egg-based thing because I'm trying to do a ton of choline, Um, you know, and just spending as much time outdoors as as I can. My whole thought process is, can I do this outside? Can I bring this outside? You know, um, is Wi-Fi necessary? Is, you know, I'm, I'm just kind of always thinking that way. And I haven't, and I don't want to tell anybody else what to do because it's not, that's not medical advice or anything like that, but I haven't been taking the standard prenatal vitamins. I do, um, beef organs, bone marrow, um, beef liver. I do oyster I capsules. So it's like an oyster supplement that's yeah. got all your iodine and zinc and selenium and all the good stuff and copper. Zinc and copper, which is a big, I know there's a big copper Huge. transfer that happens yep. in the third trimester yep. from mother to baby. Yeah. And, and so beefing up yeah, those so stores. I do that as and I uh, eat salmon roe at least five days a week. Now 
I ha- I do, my husband is, is the one who's I got him understanding how important that that was for building the brain and the nervous system. So he, there's only one brand that I like and my whole foods has been out of it. And so he actually called the company and has like been paying them way too much money to have them ship tins of it here and keep it stocked for me. It's super, it's so so super sweet. sweet. Yeah. It's very sweet. sweet. So I do like a, a nice big tablespoon of salmon roe at least five days a week. Um, and just keep up with a nice meat-based diet, you know, lots of meat, eggs, and raw dairy. I have have been yeah. doing a ton of raw milk. Um, I'm a little obsessed with raw milk right now. <laughs> Another good source of iodine. And, <laughs> I love it. You know, so, yeah, yep, exactly. vitamin A. There's a lot of, yeah, there's yeah. a lot of important yeah, stuff in there. Yeah, my raw milk obsession is a lot right now, <laughs> but my husband's like, is this the dog's milk? I'm like, no, it's mine. Don't touch it. <laughs> yeah. That's no, that's fine. my milk. <laughs> Does it, what are your, are your laws in Georgia? For pets. Uh, so that freaked him out too. He's like, is yes. this safe for you to have? Yeah. And I'm like, if you Google it, it's not. But if you. <laughs> <laughs> if you google raw milk in pregnancy you're probably going to find some stuff that's going to freak you out but if you understand raw milk in pregnancy and that it was done for <laughs> thousands of years thousands of years you, you see it's actually good yes. for me so don't don't stress about it just because it says for pets it's fine <laughs> so yeah 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 i yeah i think that's really important i'm I love all of that. And I think that that I, as I've had friends that have gotten pregnant and have followed their intuition, it's often led them to places that if you Google it, that's not what they'd say to do. But I think that there is so much wisdom in the pregnant woman's body. And I think that the whole food matrix offers us so much more in terms of that deep nourishment and that deep, deep receiving of minerals which are so vital during this time because you're you're right. building another human and so i i love being able to share this yeah. with my listeners and for them to get yeah, a and little I will say first trimester that. That i want i was i woke up one day and was like if i don't have a potato i'm going to kill someone and like i could not stop thinking about potatoes <laughs> And I hadn't had a potato in years because I've been yeah. carnivore and low carb. And then I researched like yeah. what's in a potato, like the potassium, the B6, all the stuff that was getting depleted like crazy from me in first trimester. That's when yeah. the most depletion happens, you know, is, is a lot in the first trimester and the third. But that's why you feel so good in the second. But I was like, I need you to go and get potatoes for me. And so, you know, someone who is like, I'm just not going to be dogmatic about my diet during pregnancy. If I'm craving it and it's a whole food, it's not Ben and Jerry's or Dairy Queen or whatever. If it's a whole food, yeah, right, sour patch and I'm craving kids. it, I'm going to eat it, you know? And so it was like potatoes and tomatoes Absolutely. were like, yeah, it was Potassium. my body was just like, please give me this now. Um, and, and so I went with it, you know, and I didn't feel a stitch of guilt about it. And every time I would eat those foods, I would actually feel better. I'd get some relief from the nausea. And so I just want to throw that out there too. When we talk about pregnancy and the health of the pregnancy, if you're, I think if your body, like I said, is giving you a signal to eat a whole food, then you might want to investigate that. 
you know, you might want to see what nutrient is in this food that I could possibly be lacking right now that, that there's like a, a, an urge that's overtaking me to eat this, you know? Yeah. Yes. Right. And that there's wisdom, there's wisdom in that, in that desire. And I, I, go back we'll put a link into it to fred provenza's book Uh, we are we are animals and our bodies do know and i always think it's important to come back to that knowing and from the women that i've seen that are are pregnant around me in this space it is incredible to watch that wisdom yeah almost amplify to come back home to that state of intuition that yep this is what my body needs I want to bring it back around through all of this. You know, we started talking about Alexis and I wonder how some of these practices have impacted her. Yeah. If, if that's all right to talk about. Yeah. You know, I was always kind of told kids on the spectrum are just more sensitive to non-native EMFs and you need to be careful with her. And I didn't really, I just thought it was woo woo, you know, but then when I saw myself, mitigating the non-native EMF and my health improving and my hydration status and all these things. I, I was like, okay, so the iPad, she used to have this iPad she carried around and she, we used to give her multiple iPads because it was like, they make her happy. She listens to music and this is keeping her occupied because she can get into some serious trouble. (laughs) She, she, she gets into some trouble. And so taking the iPad away was hard because it's like now we have to figure out activities, but her with all the stuff I was integrating, I took her with me. Anytime I'm going hiking, she comes with me, you know, and my family, I involved my whole family. And so my husband, he's not Mr. Outdoors. He's Mr. Let's watch football all day on Sunday. He started going hiking <laughs> with us. And now, I mean, we go hiking Saturday and Sunday, like, we as a family do a lot of stuff outdoors that we never did before and she loves it i mean when you when you watch her out in nature it's something like you see something spiritual is going on because she's she's just taking it all in and if there's a running stream or a brook or running water she has to sit by it and she, she she just wants to sit by it for like hours and i was explaining to my husband i'm like about the water network in the body i'm like this is what it's doing to the inside of her body and showing her some of Emoto's work. And, you know, like this, this is the water crystals inside of her body. This is what's happening for her. And that's why she's so drawn to this. And, uh, you know, I always used to put shoes on, you know, you need to wear shoes, you need to wear a coat. And she never wanted to wear shoes. She always wanted to be barefoot. She never wanted to wear a coat. She always wanted to be cold. And so me understanding these things is like this child's been seeking out medicine for herself her whole life. You know, she's been seeking it and I haven't understood that this is what she has needed, you know, was to, she comes home from school and wants to lay down in the backyard on the ground. And I would be like, that's, yeah, I need to just gather electrons and all of those ions. And I just thought that's so strange, but now I just... I love it. I'm like, go for it, girl. Just do what you got to do. Um, and so the new house that we're moving into, I've painted the bedrooms with Y-Shield paint um, to kind of block out the non-native EMF, mm-hmm. um, hardwired the house. 
and I bought her a Magnetico mm-hmm. sleep pad. I want to get one for us, but um, they said not to do it during first trimester because it can cause a little detox. So I'm just going to wait till after the baby's here before I get one for us. Sure. But um, yeah, she's we've got the sleep pad, the Y shield, the hard wiring, and we're just you know building a different life for her. And I always you know I say Alexis was my entryway into health and I think that my son was the entryway into quantum health and understanding that so both of them have like even before he's gotten here has changed my viewpoint entirely and she did too and it's like they're both just such amazing gifts you know and helping you see the world differently and if you will, if you allow that, I think we're so quick to shut our kids down, you know, like put your shoes on, put your coat on. Um, don't, don't do that. Instead of question like, well, why doesn't my kid want to wear a coat in 30 degree weather? You know, maybe they don't need it. Yeah. You know, they've got all that brown fat. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, I think that my quantum shift. Mm. Right. Why do why they just want to eat meat? meat? You know, she needs to eat her vegetables. Let me force her to eat her vegetables. Maybe not, you know, maybe, maybe she's got all she needs. And so that, that's been huge. I think for her as well is forming a deeper connection with nature and us as parents realizing how important that is and implementing that as a regular part of our life. So, yeah. I think that's fantastic. And I think, I think very much like, you know, the animals on the farm, I think that children don't always have the societal conditioning. They still understand how to hear their bodies. They still know how to listen. And I think that, you know, one of the things that I think is important to say here is I think we can all come back to that state of being able to hear our bodies. But as adults, I think it often takes time to break down all of that social conditioning, to break down everything that we've learned about eight glasses of water a day or wear a coat even if you don't feel like it whatever that looks like or and yep she's accessing that and I I just think that's so I think it's great and I I love the way that she's played a role in your journey that both kids have played a role in in your journey and just been little mirrors for absolutely for that process and I'm also appreciative of you sharing some about your story with Alexis I'm just really that's a it's a vulnerable space to be thank in you. and I really appreciate well, thank you, you for holding the space for sharing. that I appreciate I think it's that important. because it's like I said it's something that I haven't really talked about very publicly but more and more lately I've been kind of getting this push that it's something that needs to be shared you know it's it is a huge huge part of my story our story and if I'm skipping over it then it's not really the full picture of how I got here you know yeah, and it's so crucial to share that and to share that with others so that they can connect in with that space and also feel yeah. less alone Absolutely. in that space Absolutely. as well, I think. Um, You're welcome. Yeah, so thank you for that. Um, I love wrapping up by asking everybody the same question, uh, which is, what does it mean for you to lay the groundwork? And I always like to frame this with, you know, it can be just within your family unit or it can be for many generations down the road, right? And I think that both are equally important. I love that question. I mean, I I just truly feel like for me, 
that it's just what we've been talking about this whole conversation is allow teaching people you know coming to that understanding myself and then sharing that with other people of how intelligent your body really is and continuing to pass that information on so that as a society we're not always relying on the next supplement the next diet the next doctor guru the next this the next that and the next flashy thing so that we get back to trusting our bodies and trusting our connection with the sun, with nature, with the earth and, and really value that, you know, and pass that down to our children. I think that that's really, um, laying the groundwork is, is continuing to spread that information and get it out to as many people as possible. I think that's beautiful. And I love that. And then where can people find you? We'll, of course, have notes to all of this in the show notes. Um, you have such a beautiful collection of webinars and informations that are super accessible. So tell yeah, people a little bit about where they can find you. the best, easiest way is my Instagram page. It's at carnivore.yogi. And then if you go to that page, there's a link that'll take you to my website. It'll take you to all my courses. Um, if you go on YouTube and just search carnivore yogi on YouTube, you can go to my channel that'll pull up, um, tons of video library and I have a podcast. Yeah. Lots tons of amazing of free information. guests like Dr. Cruz and I have an audio only podcast. Oh yeah. Yeah. Mitchell I have an audio only podcast as well called the carnivore yogi podcast that you could just search on Apple, Spotify, Google and find it there too. So yeah, it's the best way. Well, thank you so much for sharing with us. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's just been amazing to connect here. And yeah, thank you for holding really space and, and having me. It's been a really awesome conversation. So thank you. Yeah. yeah. My pleasure. Okay. Um, <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, yeah, totally. It just makes it so much easier when I'm editing. Um, yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you so yeah. much. I hope I hope that was all right. For, uh, yeah, it was just so, it was so beautiful to hear about your pregnancy journey. I know that my husband and I are thinking about having kids sometime in 2023, yeah. 2024. And I know that a lot of my listeners are right around that age where they're thinking about the same things. Oh, and good. so I can't tell you good. how valuable so this has been. I'm so glad. And just so fun to hear. What a beautiful pregnancy. Aww. What a lucky little boy you have growing in there to have all of those wonderful like, <laughs> raw milk and salmon roe and desiccated liver. I think that's that's the business. I, a really good friend of mine right now is going into her third trimester, and she called me recently, and she said, Kate, I just am not feeling well, and I, I don't know what food I want, and I, I just want you to list some things <laughs> until they sound good and I just ran through this list and I started yes. with oysters that's and it. she yep. said that's it that's what that it's out yep that's what yep. that's what sounds good and she <laughs> went out and and found some oysters and, and so it's just really beautiful to watch this what I think is I think this is a really yeah. the beginning the frontier of doing well, pregnancy differently and i want to yeah being done right now is not yeah. working at all not at all yep no obviously it's not and and 
the decline in fertility. I don't know if you've read it's on my bookshelf. Oh, yeah, Shauna Swan's yeah. Countdown. Yeah. Such a good one. And I think that between that and exactly. we have to we yeah. have to build healthy babies. Healthy Agreed. moms, healthy babies. And I think the prenatal vitamin with folic acid mm-hmm. and avoid meat yeah. and liver and seafood. I'm ready for that die. era of <laughs> yeah, advice serious. to end. It really does. It needs to die. Yeah. It, it really needs to die. And so thank you for yeah. being on the frontier of yeah. doing I pregnancy have to. I can't do it the way I did it the last time. So, <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, and thank you for sharing. Oh, I love Alexis's you. posts. I love thank her. You. They're so beautiful. And just her relationship thank with nature you. and the way she sees the world. And so yeah, it was, it was fun, fun to, to hear about, about her. her. Really was. You're welcome. Yeah. Well, thank you. I'll let you I'll let you get to your day. Um, yeah, absolutely. But let's that. be in touch. All right. Okay. And I'll let you know when this Very comes cool. out and all of the stuff. Okay. You're welcome. Okay. Bye. Thank you, Sarah. Okay. Bye. All right. All right. Well, that I know was a lot. And if you're still listening to this episode, I really do appreciate you for being here. That, like I said in the very beginning in the introduction, was the most vulnerable interview I've ever done. And I am still sitting here recording this a bit terrified to put this out into the interwebs, if you will. But like I said in the introduction, I've meditated on this, prayed on this, and do feel like it's the right thing for me to do at this point. So I do hope that it touches someone. I do hope that it helps someone and that my story can serve as something of hope and of inspiration for anyone who is in a place of sadness or struggle. Uh, Please do share this again with friends, family members, anybody that you feel could be helped. And if you are in your own journey and struggling, then I would highly recommend that you come to the course that Carrie and I are going to be putting on starting August the 15th. The information on how to register for that course is going to be linked down in the show notes, as well as the link to all of my other courses that are basically built out of this journey and what I have learned about my health and what I wish to share with the rest of the world about health in an approachable way that everyone can access. So again, check those out. And if you did enjoy this episode, again, please share it out or you can head on over to Apple or Spotify. Leave me up to a five-star review. It will help to get this out to more people. All right. Thank you so much for listening and I will talk with you again very, very soon.